0: It was all of one piece, neither woven, nor dyed, nor painted. A banner, white as snow, big enough to be seen the length of a field of battle. And across it marched a rippling figure, like a serpent scaled in gold and crimson. But a serpent with four scaled legs, each tipped with five golden claws. A serpent with eyes like the sun, and a golden lion's mane. He had seen it once before, and Moraine had told him what it was. The banner of Luz Theron Telamon, Luz Theron Kinslayer, in the War of the Shadow. The Banner of the Dragon.
1: Hello, I'm Will, and this is my wife, Dallas. Hi! And this is Not the Beginning, a podcast where a longtime Wheel of Time fan and a Wheel of Time newbie read through each of the 14 books in this long series. Warning, this podcast may not be suitable for younger audiences and will contain spoilers. If you've not read Robert Jordan's The Great Hunt, please proceed with caution.
0: On this episode of Not the Beginning, we'll be diving in and discussing chapters 9 through 12 of The Great Hunt. Note, I have not read past chapter 12, and Will is going to do his best not to bring anything from the rest of the Great Hunt or the next 12 books in during our discussion. So as long as you've read through chapter 12, you should be good. If you haven't, I recommend pausing here and going to read them.
1: All right. This week's chapter summaries from Dragonmount.com, starting with chapter 10, The Hunt Begins. Actually, we're on chapter 9, Leave Takings. Dragonmount, your summaries for this are incorrectly labeled. Anyway, as both groups prepare to set out, an arrow narrowly misses both Rand and the Amarlin. Rand's party is led by Shinarans, Ingtar, and Uno, and guided by the sniffer Hurin, a man who can smell the trails of criminals. Every village they follow Fane through is empty. At the second, Rand steps into a trap, which he only escapes by using Sidene. They find a Merdral murdered. Ingtar tells Rand that he is second in command, despite Rand's protests. Ingtar gives Rand a wrapped bundle containing the dragon banner. Perrin and Matt confront him about it and learn that he can channel. Egwene and Nynaeve head south with the Amarillyn's party. Varen Sadai gives a lesson on the One Power. Moraine vanishes before the party boards ships for Tarvalon. Egwene learns that she might be a dreamer. All right. They missed one small bit in their chapter summaries, which is where we're going to start with Mr. Baeldomum captain of the spray.
0: Yes. So there is a small section I think it's in chapter 9? Yeah. About uh, Bail Bale Domon <clears throat> that is a little confusing.
1: He's just kind of thrown into the middle of it.
0: Yeah. And it seems like at the beginning it might have been like a flashback, but I'm not really sure where in the timeline this exists. Although I'm not really sure it matters. I don't
1: think it really matters. I think it's happening contemporarily.
0: So it's definitely after they were on the spray, correct? Oh yes.
1: Definitely that.
0: Okay. That's what I was trying to figure out
1: yeah okay he's he's definitely already taken Rand Matt and Tom to White Ridge okay and now he's having some trouble he like the, the universe wants him to go east
0: yes because he keeps getting offered commissions and then
1: whenever he doesn't take them Somebody on his crew dies somehow.
0: No, they pretty much mentioned that someone is killed every time that he denies a commission. Like, they are very clearly murdered.
1: Okay, I read that more as some of them were murdered, some of them it was an accident. Just every time he says no, somebody dies.
0: I I read it as someone gets okay killed whether it's like straight up murder mm. or like robbed or cause like yeah that's the way in a, i interpreted but not like it could have been natural causes it's mm. very clearly someone kills these people whether they make it look like an accident or it's straight up just murdered in their bed someone is killing someone every okay. one of his crew members every time he denies a commission
1: okay and
0: i'm wondering if it's the same commission or if it's different ones
1: I, again, this is where I I read it as different ones. Because he's been getting different ones, and whenever he denies one going east is when somebody dies. Which to me implies that he's taken some going east and people haven't died.
0: I kind of read it as this one group of people who end up, it ends up that they're framing him, want him to go east. So they are killing his crew members in order to get him to say yes to it.
1: I think that is an additional, very valid way to interpret it.
0: Because that's how I'm reading it, and it makes sense once he opens the letter that he's not supposed yeah. to open.
1: He's given a commission that's basically a deal he can't refuse. Like, it's just way too much money for him to say no to.
0: Right, he's offered 1,000 <clears> gold to fetch someone from Maine. Maine. yeah. Ma'in to Ilion. Um, And the kind of caveat is that he cannot try to figure out the person's identity. Right,
1: and he's given a sealed letter. And
0: he's given a sealed letter that he cannot open until he presents it to the people at that city, and the people at that city will give him that person and he can't, once he has the person in his possession, because people are objects or something in this exchange. Um he cannot try to figure out who
1: yeah. it is. He's given like three hundred gold up front and the rest he'll get. He'll get three he'll get some up front, some when he arrives in Maine.
0: And then the rest, the rest, he rest when back. he gets back.
1: Yeah.
0: Except he's not going to get back because I have several thoughts. One, I don't think this person exists. I don't I think the reason he's not supposed to try to figure out who the person's identity is is because he's not supposed to pick someone up. Right. It's because not supposed to matter at all. It's not supposed to matter at all because the letter that he ends up opening is naming him a dark friend. Right.
1: He he opens it up, he realizes he's gonna get framed and he's like, Well, they gave me like three hundred gold pieces, let's just fuck off to wherever the hell I want.
0: Except they're Tarvalin marks, which kind of
1: It's a bit it's a bit loaded, and it's a bit loaded going to Maine, which is basically a Province of Tyr, which is just another location. And he mentions that like the tyrants don't like Aes Sedai. Um,
0: yeah, it just seems like they even if he uses this money, people are going to be following him. Like
1: yeah. like it's gonna draw attention. It draws
0: attention. So it's not like he can run with this money because the fact that he has three hundred and marks draws attention to him anyway. Right. So I don't know what his plan is. Especially yes. since he keeps the letter. Yeah. Which is dumb.
1: It is dumb. Burn it. Yep.
0: Especially because we figure out like why they he thinks that they're trying to frame him because he has one of the seals of the dark one. <laughs> he
1: so the other I don't thing know we how we to pronounce here. it which is why. I, yeah so the other thing we learn here is that he is a collector of old things. He has something called a light stick which is like a magic version of one of those cracky glow sticks. <laughs>
0: That's what have thought it was and I wasn't sure if that was just me, but that's how you read it too.
1: It's kind of a magic cracky glow stick. And so I don't
0: think you're supposed to break it.
1: No, you're not because he, he said the last one he had broke and caught his ship on fire almost. Right.
0: So like a glowy stick that you're not supposed to crack. No.
1: The the not cracky glow stick.
0: Or, like, you know, like, you're not supposed to overbend glow sticks because they are poison. Like it they is have, toxic. It is toxic. So it's like, you can just crack it lightly. So it's an already cracked glow stick.
1: Yeah. It's just flammable. Very, very flammable.
0: Yeah. Because it caught in his last ship on fire. Yep.
1: And then he also has a seal to the Dark One's prison that he found in a random shop somewhere
0: and paid too much money for.
1: Because he knew what it was. Because that he actually knew what game. it was. He, the merchant thought he was overcharging for a piece of junk. It turns out he was way undercharging for one of the most important items in the world.
0: Right. So, so
1: that is a piece of Queen
0: That's how you say that.
1: Yes. It's an odd word for sure.
0: I was like, my brain kept going like, Sundalar. No, that can't be right.
1: Nope. Queen D.R. Queen Heartstone. Sure.
0: A seal to the Dark Ones prison. To dark so ones seal to the Dark Ones prison. So he's got a seal to the Dark Ones prison, which does kind of make him look a little suspicious. So if they found... It
1: does. If they know what it is, though, a lot of people aren't going to know what that is. The only thing they'll recognize it is the ancient symbol of the Aes Sedai, which will make him look suspicious. So it's kind Especially of Especially carrying neutral.
0: all of the Tarval and Marks that he's right. got. So they're basically setting him up to look, like, super suspicious. Yeah, and he also...
1: Because so- the,
0: also- the note says... To seize him and all of his possessions. Yeah. So whoever it is that's framing him wants the seal.
1: Yeah. And so he eventually decides, I believe he decides to go to Olmoth Plain. Does he? Yeah.
0: Okay, I didn't I missed that. But that goes which, along with something that's mentioned in the Rand sections, is that there's trouble on Olmouth Plain.
1: Yes, which is near Toman Head, which is where all of the dark people are like, ooh, Toman Head.
0: And then Pad and Fane, who we'll get to later, is like, we'll meet again on Toman Head. Yep. It's like everything has to do with Toman Head.
1: I wonder where we're going to end up. Toman Head. Yep. Yeah. That's uh, Toman's shoulder. <laughs> that's near Toman Head.
0: But, yeah. So, Baal Doman is not going to be having a good time. No. Especially if he goes to Almoth Plain. Yeah. Maybe that's the trouble. Maybe. We don't know what's happening.
1: It's just going to be a weird talking dude going to... Going on the plane.
0: I didn't think he talked that weird. Not as
1: weird as Leandrin, who talks like Yoda. Yeah. But he do be talking pretty weird.
0: I just kind of write it as like he's not necessarily as educated, so he just speaks a little weird.
1: That's just how people from Ilian are supposed to talk. And I believe... Robert like, Jordan once said that he pictured people from Ilian talking with a Dutch accent. I don't get it. The The accents are weird.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: we, we, we will be introduced in this book to some people who you're not... Uh, we will revisit this and you will not guess what accent they are supposed to have. But I will tell you when we get there. It's weird. It doesn't make sense.
0: I have gotten very confused by what you... The sentence structure of what you just said. So we'll... Uh...
1: Yeah. We'll get back to weird accents. We'll
0: get back to that. The one question I do have about the Bael'domon thing that we haven't touched on, the letter, it was signed by the king of... Kyrian. Kyrian, right?
1: Aldrian Rioton.
0: Okay. So why is the king trying to... How does he know that Bael'domon has this thing? And is that why he's setting him up? Like, what has Bael'domon done to get the attention of the king?
1: (laughs) Beldoman, I think, is convinced that it is a forgery, that they forged this letter. Okay. It's not actually from Gaudrian.
0: That might be why he kept it. Yeah. To later prove that it's a forgery. I don't know. I would have burned it.
1: I would have burned it too. Keeping that letter is a bad idea. Like, why, why do that? Who knows? Beldoman's a strange man. He collects old things. And that's all we get from him in this section. We, yeah, it
0: seems kind of out of place where it's put.
1: Yeah. We spend. It like weirdly most... breaks
0: up rand spots.
1: It does because like, we do spend most of this section with Rand. We spend a little bit with Pat and Fain and a with
0: But the and, and Fane like bit leads itself into an Egwene section. Yeah. So the change, the quick change in POV there, it it's, doesn't get you back to Rand. It gets you to a different person. Right.
1: It's not from Rand to Baldomon to Rand. Right. Which like was at least a there's a weird. chapter break there, but it's still weird. Which is why
0: we're just talking about Baldomon at the front. Yeah. Because it. Made the most sense to just stick with Rand, yep, because it's easier to track what's happening with him if you talk about it all in one go.
1: it is indeed. So let's talk about Rand. Rand starts off this section trying to leave. He's going to go with Matt and Perrin and, loyal. Well, and they're, the loyal they're
0: all they're all getting ready to leave. And the thing he's really trying to do is apologize to Matt and Perrin. And they are not having it. No, they are not. They are just ignoring him. They are, every time he walks up to them, they're like, bye, and then
1: yeah. And he does manage to apologize to Loyal.
0: Yes, in what is
1: actually, I think, a very good apology. He he, he gets a good apology. He's like. I made a mistake, I'm sorry, I hope you can forgive me, but I understand if you can't.
0: And he he didn't just say, I'm sorry. He, he acknowledged that he knows what he did wrong, too, right. which is the key part of an apology. You've got to acknowledge what you did wrong, you've got to apologize, and you've got to acknowledge that the other person isn't obligated to forgive you. Right. Those are like the, the key tenets of an apology, and Matt Rand does a good job
1: here. Yeah. He didn't get a chance to with Matt and Perrin. Like, he started to broach the subject, and they're like, "Hi, you're rich and you suck. Actually, they- that was mostly Matt. Perrin was just like, Because Perrin doesn't do much talking. Yeah, Perrin
0: doesn't do much. He doesn't even get a chance to go through those three steps with Matt and Perrin. He he walks up and he's like, I wanted to apologize. And then they left. Yeah. And then the next time he actually ends up getting to talk with them is when they find out that he can channel. So just all good tenants of an apology are out the window there. Right. Because
1: because you have volcano man in the making. Right. But loyal immediately accepts his apology. He's, He's like, like, "I get it. Thank you for apologizing. I've I, said
0: that I say things yeah. that I don't mean all the time. I'm I I often speak out of my ass."
1: Yep. The moral of the of the story for this bit is that loyal is the best. Loyal, loyal, is, loyal the best. is the best friend.
0: Loyal is the greatest.
1: I would love to have loyal as a friend. Me too. He is just great. I feel
0: like he also gives great hugs.
1: I feel like he gives terrifying hugs. He's huge. He's like ten feet tall.
0: I feel like it would be like hugging Sully from Monsters Inc. Okay, like I got to hug Sully at Monsters from Monsters Inc. at Disney one year I went, and it was great because it's okay. just like this giant cut, and I was and I'm tiny, I'm like five foot three, so it's just like the giant, and he's furry and
1: okay, you're like half Loyal's height.
0: I don't feel like he'd hug very hard.
1: Maybe, but he also might not know how hard he's hugging.
0: That's fair. I also feel like Perrin gives great hugs.
1: Well, Perrin just has huge arms, so... But Perrin's a human. Parent, Perrin, like, Perrin's <laughs> just a big human. Loyal is, like, again, like, twice your height. Also, kind of twice Perrin's height. Yeah, Loyal's big. Loyal's huge! They have to make chairs specially for him!
0: <laughs> I'm just saying, I think he'd give great hugs.
1: I mean, I'd be willing to risk death to experience a Loyal <laughs> hug. But I, I, I do think I'd be risking death.
0: That's fair. So, yeah, uh, Rand apologizes to, to Loyal, at least. Oh, loyal. And then he gets another of uh, land's lesson time, which is <laughs> what I've decided to call it. And Land's lesson. We get Maureen's story time and Land's
1: Lesson time. Land's Lessons are very weird in general in terms of, like, what you should and shouldn't do. And this one basically comes down to, yeah, you should just kill yourself if you need to get something done right sometimes.
0: Basically. he calls, Sheathing
1: the sword. He calls
0: it sheathing the sword. In your
1: body, which, <laughs> yikes. That's a weird euphemism
0: I think it's basically like a if you're if you're between losing your sword and not losing your sword rather than give your sword up you should stab yourself with it and I think that's how I interpreted
1: that it's basically some it kind of kind of comes into his, his land's whole like if I'm gonna die I'm gonna die thing where it's like sometimes there are things that are worth dying to achieve. And when that happens, you need to be ready to accept death. Like, if the only way you can win is by getting hit and potentially dying. If it's something important enough, you should ready yourself to do it.
0: Yeah, that's basically what it seemed like. Just veiled in this. Stab yourself with your own sword.
1: It's stab yourself with your opponent's sword.
0: Is that what it... Yeah. I read it because he was talking about your own sword and so I was like, why is... Why would you stab... Why would stabbing yourself with your own sword accomplish anything?
1: No, it's stabbing... It's stabbing yourself with your opponent's sword.
0: Kind of like in the Arthurian thing where it's like he gets stabbed and then just like brings himself closer yeah. and stabs himself further so that he can stab the other person. Yeah. It's like I am already I already have a lance through me so I might as well bring myself closer to the person who has a right. lance and then stab yeah. them. I can see it.
1: It's knowing when that's worth doing.
0: Yeah. It's uh, a little bit grim.
1: Well it's Lan. Lan's a little bit grim.
0: I'm a little mad at Lan. I know you're section. a little mad, bad, <laughs> mad at Lan. I'm a little mad at Lan for this section but we'll get to that when we get to Egwene. Yep.
1: <laughs> so one more important thing happens in Faldara.
0: Before they leave.
1: Yes. he's The Avrilin is like sending off the group of Shinarans and Matt, Rand, Perrin, and Loyal who are going after the horn. And somebody shoots a crossbow at the Avrilin. Whoa. Doesn't doesn't hit the amerlin, although grazes the amerlin, and she's just like, oh no, an arrow.
0: It does kill someone else.
1: Yeah, it, like, like so
0: quickly that yeah. like, because someone goes to try to help the person, and he's just dead. He's dead. Like he was dead before he he hit the ground. Yeah, like straight up dead. The amerlin is all just like, oh well, if he meant to kill me, who, like whoever it is is either a bad shot or it's not who we think. If because they're like trying to say who they think it is and someone's like oh it might be this person she's like no 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 if it was them he would have hit me
1: right they basically or
0: like- or she's like or it wasn't meant for me right but the thing that still stands, basically she implies, or at least how Rand ends up interpreting it throughout the rest of the section, is that the Amberlin thinks the arrow is meant for him. Right. And so, like, if it was meant for him, that whoever was... it was was a bad God shot. God awful. Because, like, it didn't get anywhere near Rand. It grazed the Amaryllin and then killed someone else. Yeah. Or whoever unnamed person died. Was it was meant for them?
1: Maybe maybe someone he maybe maybe pissed someone off. Maybe it was just meant to make a scene. Could have been because the Amaran really is not concerned about it at all. No, she's just like okay, whatever. You you find them on your own terms. Let me know if you find them.
0: And later in Egwene's section, she's like, I'm not waiting for you to find out who for whoever it was. We're leaving now. <clears throat> this is what we're doing. Yeah. I'm fine.
1: I am too important to wait here for you to find this person that you're probably not going to find anyway.
0: And so I'm wondering if maybe if it was just trying to make a scene, maybe it was to try to keep the Amaryllin there for a little bit longer. Maybe. But she's a little bit too stubborn for that, so... Yeah, well, they Swan failed.
1: is a stubborn lady.
0: Like, if it was supposed to just cause enough of a scene to keep the Amaryllin there, then they should have injured her more.
1: Yes, they should have. Well, I mean, you really kinda have to kill Aes Sedai in general. like if there's like a large group of Aes Sedai, you just kinda have to kill somebody outright, because they can magically heal people.
0: But like if they had just if they've been trying to keep her there longer, like at least lodge an arrow in her. Because it's yeah. gonna take longer to heal her. That's You're true. You're not just gonna wrap a band-aid on it and call no. it a day. You have to get the arrow out, you have to like bandage up the wound. She might have to rest a little bit. That's true. And then, you know, if it was very clearly an attack on her life, then maybe she would have decided to stay but Very she does not the person was a bad shot and she interpreted that as it wasn't meant for her yep but again if it wasn't meant for her and it was meant for rand then they're just a really bad shot awful awful shot
1: yeah because rand wasn't even there i mean he was there but he was like he was standing like, at least, back.
0: like at least five feet away right or like 10 to 15 feet away like yeah. on his horse like ew. yeah
1: yes we meet some new characters in this bit. Yes. Some, some of the Shinarans. We get a little bit more talk uh, with Ingtar who be- kind of becomes an actual character instead of yep. just like, oh, he's got armor and he's a Shinaran. Mm-hmm. Ingtar's kind of, he's a, he's a lord. He he is leading this. He's happy to be leading it. Uh, we also meet Uno who has one eye because oh, okay. he, he was an eye patch. I
0: missed that.
1: Yeah, he, because one-eyed man named Uno, it's like Wink. <laughs> wink the cat with one eye.
0: That's our cat. You've probably heard her screaming She's in the background of season sounds one. She's like a goat. Yeah.
1: Yes. And we also meet Huron, who has a curious power.
0: He is a sniffer, which I have interpreted to mean that he can basically just smell violence.
1: That's basically it.
0: And depending on the level of violence, it stays for longer or has a different smell. Like, he's able to smell a bar fight, but really only, like, after 30 minutes have passed.
1: You just he... tell that it happened. Not like it
0: and sometimes and not even chaos. that it happened Yeah. if like he would have to have like actually yeah. known that the bar fight happened yeah. in that place in order to also smell it it's yeah. kind of like um, I can't remember what I'm trying to say but like confirmation bias yeah. Yeah. like it's, if if it's a small bit of violence like knowing it happened kind of lets him know that he can smell it but that's kind of just confirmation yeah. bias at that point it's not that he can actually smell it
1: you know who he can smell very easily and for long periods of time
0: whatever the fuck pad and Fane is doing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Pad Fane is stinky.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't smell he he says it smells worse than he's ever smelled anything. And Perrin agrees. And every time he's like, it just smells off, Heron kinda looks at him. Heron's skeptic- like, are you a sniffer? <laughs> no. You got you got
1: you got the nose?
0: You got the nose, Can but- you
1: can you touch the nose source? <laughs> The nose source. Yeah, that's that's what Sniffers touch. Okay. Like the true source, but it's the nose source. It's not actually a thing. I'm it's just funny. making a joke. Yeah, you're weird. Yes, it's true. <laughs> I am. But anyway, so they're using hearing to track them. And they track tracking him through the like, countryside. Like
0: south to southeast, south to southeast. They just keep going in the generally the same direction. They find a bunch of abandoned camps on their way and some eaten dark friends. Which is Troll- the Trollocs continuing to get hungry. Trollocs get hungry and eat people. This is disturbing.
1: Well, Trollocs are disturbing.
0: It's just starting to get a little bit more detailed and I've got delicate You've sens- got delicate sensibilities. <laughs> I've got delicate sensibilities. Yes, <laughs> when indeed. I was reading the next the section on Pat and Pain, which we will discuss, I had uh, a distressed look on my face when Will came in. He's like, What is happening? <laughs> and I'm just like, Pat and Pain And then I needed a cup of tea.
1: He's he's wrong. He's very wrong. I didn't see And we learn some things about exactly how wrong he is, because we go through multiple villages and all of them are abandoned. Recently so.
0: Yes. It seems to me that either the people died in the village or they were taken with They're them. They're taken with them.
1: In the Pattern Fane section, he like motions he like motions to Trollocs and tells the villagers that they took with them that like if you don't shut up, I'm gonna feed you to the Trollocs first.
0: Yeah. But it also seems like some people died in the village because we get There's to that section we get to that section with Rand where he
1: He like s- encounters people stuck in a time loop.
0: Yeah, it's like a weird vision in a time loop thing. Yeah.
1: And apparently he breaks out of that using Sidene. I did not pick up on that.
0: I did not either, but that's what the summary on Dragon Mount says so if anyone has any thoughts on that and would like to yeah get to mm-hmm. us somehow via Twitter or Instagram to talk about it
1: none of the usual things that i look for when i look for people embracing the true source happen there
0: Right, he just kind. Of, it seems like he just kind of gets out of it somehow. Like,
1: yeah, but
0: maybe that is the Sidene. Maybe
1: it was. There's stuff about being hot and cold, and he's he said stuff about being hot and cold around times when we know that he has used the source before.
0: And the only and in that defense, like he very well could have been using Sidene. I have a hard time figuring out when Rand has or hasn't. Yeah, the only time he doesn't know. Right. And so, one, it's just effective storytelling at that point because you're in his perspective and you're not sure what's happening. But in the last book, the only time that I was like, "Oh, Rand can channel," is when he has lightning strike (laughs) a building. Yeah. The other two times, you had to tell me. Yeah. That it like once I read that part, I was like, "So he can channel." Yeah. You had you had to like guide me to what the other two were. Yeah. And it wasn't obvious.
1: No. Well, I. I think that's a really strong part in the first book like, okay, well, it builds up to him using the lightning, and it's like, okay, well, he can channel now. We know this.
0: But so that he very well could be have used Sidian to get out of this yeah. weird time loop. <clears throat> and it makes sense as to, like, that being the reason he gets out of the weird time loop. It does.
1: Loop. And he mentions that nobody else encountered something like this.
0: Well, Unless the trap of. is
1: specifically for him, because he said Matt had gone into that house.
0: No, Matt hadn't gone into that house. He went into a different one? He went into a different house. Okay. But nothing had happened to Matt in that different house, so he knows that he's the only one who got stuck in a time loop right. but in the previous village near the river Ar- Arinen? Aaron, erin erin um a guard sees like a, like a woman in white or something and then she quickly disappears and then that same person sees that woman again in the village where rand gets stuck in the weird time loop
1: do you think she might be doing this
0: i don't know if she thinks she's real. I don't know, but if it he thinks it's the same woman, so clearly something in time or a hallucin—like I don't know if Rand, what Rand saw was actually it. He got stuck in a time loop, or if he just got stuck in a weird vision loop.
1: Okay, both things are possible here. Um,
0: so that guard who saw the woman could have also gotten stuck in some weird vision. Okay. Or or this woman actually exists and is there after the fact.
1: Right. I mean, it it is definitely, I think, plausible that it's like a random village woman just kind of like following this group of soldiers around, not feeling comfortable enough to actually be with the group of soldiers, but also not feeling comfortable being alone in a trollock ridden wasteland.
0: I just don't know, like where would she be camping? How is she still alive? Like these are all, all of these very questions. Very good questions. I'm wondering if she's some sort of spirit attached to something. Okay, there. like this is getting a little bit supernatural esque, but you know, like in super, you've seen five seasons of Supernatural yeah. when with ghosts, they're attached to an object. Okay it's not always a house it could be an object so every time that object moves the ghost goes with it
1: yeah so I, it could
0: i don't know if it's something like that
1: okay i i really can't say much do you know i do know what this is
0: okay but i don't so I, can't I think say much. i think that the woman is a thing like it's not okay. just like a weird it's they not like,
1: they blame it on like Curtains.
0: Yeah, they blame it on like curtains before, but the whoever well, the guard that sees it, and it's only one guard. Yeah. that sees it. He's very adamant that he's seen it mm-hmm. to one of his friends, and so I think that this isn't this isn't just a little device that they're using to be like, oh, these villages have something creepy going on. I think that it's an actual thing. Okay. It's not just like.
1: Well, it is the Wheel of Time. Most things are actual things.
0: But sometimes it could not be.
1: Yeah, totally fair. And I love all of the theories.
0: So yeah, I will would... neither
1: confirm nor deny any of them.
0: The, the stuff that happens at the villages are creepy. Uh,
1: the In the first, vi- the first
0: village, the uh, first village across the village, when they get across the village using a ferry, there are two guards that were skinned alive. Yep. That's a little creepy. And we learn about Shinaran burials.
1: Yes, which is an interesting take.
0: I it- like like they so a shiner and burial they do not bury them in anything like at all no shrouds no coffins nope. anything that they're wearing gets removed it's like skin to dirt yep and they don't say anything except basically like you're returning to the mother.
1: Yeah. It's really interesting. This is one of the things that I thought was really interesting on a on a on this reread specifically, with it, it's very much a blend of like more modern day burial practices. Like they dig a grave, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and they have a, they have a ceremony, but it's all about returning the person to, to like Mother Earth. And it strikes me as an interesting blend of more like Wiccan type deals and modern or more modern burial practices. Like an interesting blend of them. I mean,
0: they buried people for thousands of years. Yeah,
1: but just like the the way it's specifically called out here. Mm -hmm. I didn't
0: really see it as mm -hmm. modern at all. So I saw it as a very like old.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, I I think it, it leans more on that. But just like the practice of like digging a specific type of burial site. Just like the amount of prescription that went into it. And
0: they, yeah, because they are like individual holes as well. Like right. They're, you don't have like this sort of mass grave situation going on. Right. And
1: they don't do anything aside from just bury them, there's no ritual around it. They're not doing anything that. You know, you could consider to be casting a spell. They're just burying in them saying a few quick words and being on their way.
0: Seems very secular.
1: It Well, the, the world of the Wheel of Time kind of is. There is no real, like, god. There's yeah, there just isn't, the creator. There
0: is kind of a lack of religion.
1: Yeah, which is weird to me. That's something that's always seemed weird to me. Like, there's no real, like, deity, deity. The creator is there.
0: I mean, that's just because, like, the world has to get created. So, like...
1: Yeah. The 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 dragon is kind of a little bit of a deity, but not really.
0: I don't really see it as an Like, I, it's... There's a lot of, like, origin stories, but that's as religion-y as it gets.
1: Yeah. It's, and, like,
0: the wheel of time, but there's no real, like... There's no temples. There's no altars. Yeah. There's no ritual aspect nope. to anything anything which I kind of resonate with a little bit. Yeah, I like
1: it. I like, like it too. It's odd to me, but I do like it. And especially with the only, um, like the like religious fanatics you have are the white cloaks, right? And they are driven by a set of ideas not by like being beholden to a god
0: right they I, they um... think
1: that the the true source and the one power is not to be used by humans because humans will fuck it up mm-hmm. they don't necessarily think that it's holy they do think it's holy but it's it's less about it being divine it is more that like people who wield it are fallible yes and shouldn't be using it it's it's interesting and it's definitely something i'm picking up more on this reread than i have in the past yeah,
0: it's just interesting and so, and then in the second village.
1: In the second village, the maybe the most fucked up thing happened.
0: There is a man nailed spread eagle to a door yep. on the village meeting place.
1: And they were nailed there alive.
0: Except it wasn't a man.
1: Fucking merge roll. Yup. and Fane is stinky. <laughs> The reason Hurin can smell him is because he's the kind of person who can nail Murdral to walls and doors. Alive. He, like, nails its hands up and then drives nails through where its eyes would be.
0: Yeah. And the Murdral is alive.
1: <sighs> and there's some implication later when we're in Pat Fane's head. Like, one, the Trollocs are terrified of him. Because, of course, they are. And also, there's some implication that in his hands, the dagger does something different.
0: Yeah, we can go ahead and talk about and Fane just a a little bit. Just a little bit. It's a a very distressing section for me. Yes. And it's not very long. No. But I... It doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to be. And I don't think I'd be able to survive more than three pages in and Fane's head. You
1: don't want a whole book of and Fane?
0: No. That would just
1: be straight-up horror
0: and i don't read horror like, yeah. for very good reasons for very specific reasons i have delicate sensibilities <laughs> <laughs> and every time i see his name at the beginning of a new pov i literally like i have to take a breath and i'm just like oh god no please no and i just have to like psych myself up to read these sections even though i know they're not all that long because he's fucking terrifying. Yup. Like, Leandrin is scary, but kind of in a like, I am intrigued as to what you were doing, and you were very... She's terrifying in a human way.
1: Right. He's... is not human anymore.
0: No, he is not. <clears throat> He because there's a bit where he's like he still thinks of himself as Pat and Fane, which very clearly he's not Pat and Fane anymore. But yeah. he calls himself Pat and Fane. Yeah. And then he's talking about how he he feels whole within himself now. Now
1: that he has the dagger.
0: Re the dagger. Which is just not something you wanna hear in conjunction with having the dagger. No. And then he talks about like the, the Trollocs and all of the people are terrified of him now that they've seen what he can do with the dagger, which means he flayed those people alive himself. Yeah. With the dagger. And-
1: It's just, it's all bad. He
0: did it to the Murdral. And you kind of like, there is some stuff confirmed a little bit where like, he talks about what happened to him. So you kind of get like an origin of, you get a, everything confirmed. Yeah. What happened to him in Shadr-Logoth? What happened to him in the ways?
1: The Dark One did something to him in Shadow logoth that helps him find the boys. It goes beyond the dagger, because in episode, uh, like, one of the later episodes of the first book, we talk about how, like, yeah, of course they of course, they got found. The dagger is like a beacon. Pat Fane can just find them.
0: Yes, except for... Whatever was for... done to
1: him in Shadow logoth helps him find the boys.
0: Except for sometimes Rand just disappears. Who knows? And I I'm wondering does when when Rand goes into the void, does that hide him from pad and fame? Okay. Because he's like there what he's like whatever Rand does, sometimes he literally just disappears. And what has Rand been doing more often now? Going into the void. Going into the void because it helps him cope with his PTSD. It's kind of like meditation <laughs> and it helps him channel like get centered so he can do sword training it's like focusing it's like meditation helps with ptsd helps him fight with a sword yeah you know because he's got hella ptsd
1: there's a lot of ptsd to go around
0: poor boy but yeah i'm wondering if rand going into the void helps him helps him hide from pad and fane of
1: course he doesn't know it
0: or does him going into the void help pad and find him oh
1: you think it might be the reverse.
0: It might be the reverse. It, it, Rand going in and out of the void, I think, is how Pad and Fane...
1: I think is, it would be...
0: Because I also wonder, and I just thought <laughs> of the second version of that, because when Rand goes into the void in the river Aranen, he feels sick inside the void. So if Pad and Fane is in the void trying to search for Rand, having just... Flayed I... people alive, a la Ruth Bolton. Yep. Maybe that's why he's sick.
1: <laughs> I know where this is going, and I really like what you've just said. <laughs> Uh, that's that's to say nothing of where it is actually going. I, I just, this is a cool train of thought to be witnessing in a first-time reader. Because,
0: like, he feels sick in the void, and if Pad and Fane is going into the void to search for him, having just flayed people alive, it would make sense. Yeah. That if Pad and Fane is also in the void, it would be making Rand sick, because the second he goes out of the void, he starts to feel better.
1: He does. You are correct.
0: And Angtar is like, are you feeling all right there, bud? I'm a little unused to this stuff, too.
1: Yeah. The I, I remember the first time I read this, I interpreted it as Rand was feeling sick in the void because he's looking at two people who were flayed alive. I very much like this train of thought that you're having, and I, I will confirm nothing in any direction about it. I just enjoy seeing it I in just, a first-time reader.
0: I don't know which one it is. I just I, fe- I have a feeling that Fane and or Rand disappearing for Pad and Fane has something to do with him going in and out of the void. Okay. They're related. Not sure how. I'm not sure how.
1: Okay, cool.
0: Cause I don't really. I still don't know what the void is, and it's I don't. It's just a
1: meditation technique.
0: But like, it could be. It could be a thing.
1: It could be a thing. You're, you're correct. It could be a thing. Um, it was, it is mentioned, like, a couple other characters mention it, right? Rand was taught it by Tam. Lan knows about it. I don't think Lan uses it, but he mentions that, like, it's a it's a thing swordmasters use sometimes.
0: And he was trying to teach it to the boys kind of as, like, an option. Like, here's what you can right. use. And I was don't...
1: surprised that Rand already knew it. Right. I, I kind of suspect that, um... Matt uses some of it too because Matt's a really good shot with a bow.
0: I don't know that that's him like using anything or I don't, if he's
1: just good at it. I think
0: he's just good at it. I don't think Matt is okay. capable of meditation.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, Matt's got some chaotic energy, that's for sure.
0: And uh, Matt no longer gets wrapped in a blanket
1: and gets a hug. No, Matt's just kind of a dick.
0: Matt is being a dick right now. Like, I no, I don't get it. You're I get being it. A, like, I get, I, he's bonded I to the it. dagger
1: and the dagger is being carried by Pat and Fane.
0: Oh. So, it could be having an effect on him, even though Pat and Fain is the one carrying it?
1: I I realize that I may have implied that. I don't think that's what's happening. I just think that something that Matt needs, like poison that Matt needs to stay alive, is being taken away from him.
0: Still, he's just being a dick.
1: He is being a dick. And, like, there is.
0: Just not in an understandable way. No. Like,
1: Perrin was being a dick in an understandable way.
0: Yeah, Perrin was like, "You were mean to me, and I'm not let. It, I am still mad enough that I'm not even willing to hear your apology." And I right. think Rand understands that, cause like, and go back to Rand being good at apologizing, at least in this section, he's understanding. <laughs> at
1: least not to Egwene.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like he's understanding that like a person who is actually apologizing and is doing a good job at apologizing also understands that the person you're trying to apologize to doesn't even owe you listening to that apology. Yeah. And he understands that. He just really wishes they would. Right. He's like, and I they, understand why they're ignoring me, but I really just want to apologize. But he's not like, oh, they suck for not listening right. to me. He right. He's just like, he, he's, he's, just, he's just being a good boy to him.
1: Like, <laughs> Rand's just sad. Rand he's has a a lot said. of weight on his shoulders now and he just wants friends
0: and so when he eventually does get to talk to his friends why i mad as being a dick about it rand is named second to ingtar so if ingtar dies he gets command of the shinaran army and he's just like no i am i am a little boy why would they listen to me <laughs> That's yeah. basically what he says and then and then fucking moraine gives him the dragon banner
1: M- moraine is
0: she is pulling some strings and she's just she's pissing off the dragon reborn which is not a good look she's she has to know she's pissing him off she, is she, she really does? like and if she, like, is she really so conceited that she thinks that what she's doing isn't pissing him off? And do you really, do you, do you really want to piss off a man who can channel who doesn't know how to control it?
1: Well, I mean, the I and I do have a whole Aja dedicated to handling men who can channel, which Moraine is not part of.
0: Right. She's just pissing him off. One, she doesn't give him any coats that he can travel in. So he's nope. just like, he's just he's like just out there, there fancy, like, boying <laughs> fancy boying it up. Fancy boying it up. And now she gives him the dragon's banner. And so now he has to carry this shit around. And Matt and Perrin see it. And they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and then he just blows up. Like, all... He, <laughs> this is very bad timing. He does not actually ever apologize to Matt and Perrin. Because they see the banner and Matt starts acting like a dick. Perrin's just like... I'm gonna be silent. Maron's
1: like, uh, what?
0: Maron's like, um, I would like an explanation, please. It's,
1: it's the, the, the what? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Why do you have it? And
0: And, so he's like, yes, it's the dragon's banner. And Moraine wants me to, (laughs) she's she's labeling me. She's like trying to use me and just like screams at them about it. And they're like, a false dragon. he's like, no, apparently I actually am the dragon reborn.
1: And then then they're both like, wait a second, you can channel, can't you? (laughs) Matt freaks the fuck out.
0: Matt freaks the fuck out,
1: and parents like, well, then, why is are like... You
0: even... he's like, "Why are you even here?" And Rand's like, "I wanted to help you not die, dipshit." Yup. <laughs> and and then Matt's like, "Oh well, wait, are you going crazy?" And then Perrin's like, "Really, dude?"
1: Like, you you gotta pull it together. You just, gotta pull it just, together. Just tighten it up. <laughs> just tighten it up. <laughs> I mean, granted, Matt always needs to tighten it up. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how bad of a time he's having. Even when he's having a good time, he needs to tighten it up.
0: But like in the last. Last book, and I understand this is probably an unpopular opinion with Matt. In the last book, I felt bad for Matt because, like, yes, he was dumb and he stole this dagger from Shadar Logoth when Maureen told them not to take anything from Mordeth. Mordeth, but
1: also he didn't also, take it from he Mordeth, he took it from it from a Mordeth. Pile.
0: and he's kind of dumb. And like, I can't be mad at him for being dumb, especially when Maureen was just a little bit cryptic about it. Right. And so but like, yeah, so I felt a little bit bad for him like when he was acting like a dick with the dagger because he didn't like he made one really dumb mistake. Yeah. And then he just, he just started to go crazy. Yeah. But even in a moment where he was like t- actively going crazy, he still tried to take care of Rand. Yeah. When Rand was sick from channeling, when he had channeling sickness.
1: I think touching. And on so something I felt, said, I
0: saw I felt bad for Matt. But in this section, no, no, yours being a dick.
1: Yeah, I think something uh, touching on something I I said in the first time around. We had this discussion. Matt acting selfless seemed to kind of fight the dagger's influence, and now this. Basically Basically, this whole mission is about Matt, and it is inherently not selfless for Matt. No. And I think that's just kind of like leaning into the worst aspects of what the dagger has done to him here.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I'm wondering if that's ever going to go away for him. Okay. Like, I just don't... He's had this influence for long enough that I wonder if it's going to... Even out-
1: if he gets separated from the dagger, how much of it's going to stay around?
0: Right, because it's happening during a a formative period for him as well, because he's like 17, 18, so his brain is still developing. It's not like he's like this 30-year-old who's, as my mom would say, cooked. Yeah. Like, at 25, your brain basically stops developing. It's your frontal lobes are fully developed. Like, all of the parts of your brain are fully developed, so you're cooked. Yeah. (laughs) Like... everything leading up to that point there's no going back you cannot put that cake back in the oven right. whatever whatever you did to that whatever you did to that brain is done he's <laughs> still being formed and he's still maturing okay so i'm wondering if whatever the dagger is doing to him I is will,
1: going to be permanent i will be very interested to see how your opinion of matt changes throughout the series
0: and i do sort of know just like you know some stuff i know some stuff just about from the him right i know some stuff about matt's future because of the cosplay that Will does. And I also just, we bought a lot of the books recently. And so I've seen Matt on <laughs> covers. Cover. I've seen the covers of a bunch of books. And I know he at least makes it to book 10 because he was on the cover of book 10. book
1: 10. At least book 10. Maybe not further.
0: Maybe not. Maybe all the way. That's...
1: We'll find out. The other side of this conversation though is Perrin, who has a much better response. And I think, well, Perrin's response is basically...
0: I am, He yeah, he's just unsure about how he feels about the fact that Rand can channel. Right. What he is sure of is that if it were him, he would burn the banner and run. Yeah. Like, clearly Matt's being a dick, so you don't necessarily need to stay around and help him find the dagger. (laughs) Like, I would understand if you didn't want to stay around.
1: Yeah. And I think all of Perrin's reaction here is driven by his, like, wolf brother status. Yeah, he's He's going through something very similar.
0: Yeah, I think part of that is that and that, like, he understands what it's like to have something in you
1: that you don't understand you don't understand might be bad
0: and but he also realizes that he can't run from it but i think he also knows that him being basically a wolf isn't going to hurt other people whereas i don't think he knows that but but i think he thinks that it's safe
1: i don't think he thinks that either because remember back the back in like halfway through the first book when he was kind of going through this like wolf awakening for the Mm -hmm. first time he was worried that he was going to mercy kill Egwene. Oh, yeah. So he's going through a lot of the same stuff here because as soon as Perrin learns that Rand can channel, he's like, oh, I get why you were a dick to us before.
0: Because, and yeah, Rand does go like, I was trying to force you away from me because I was afraid that you would get hurt. But then... Matt lost the dagger and I still care about you, yep. which is why I'm here trying to help you find it. Because I don't want you to die, which is why I was being a dick. Right. Because I didn't want me to be the reason that you die.
1: Yeah. And Perrin very intimately gets it. And, but I think like, he also... Instantly changes his tune.
0: In this in this bit, Perrin talks about like if... I were you, I would burn the dagger and run, but maybe you can't run. Kind of like how he knows he can't run from this wolf thing. Right. And he knows that... They're Taviran. They're Taviran, so they probably can't run from it either. If they burned
1: it, they'd probably just find another somewhere.
0: Right. There's that. But I also think that Perrin understands there's a difference between him being a wolf and Rand being able to channel. Yeah. In that Perrin doesn't know either way if his wolf is either harmful or not harmful to others. They definitely know that Rand is going to turn into a volcano at some point.
1: Yeah, <laughs> turn into a volcano. Yeah, Rand is definitely. Rand
0: is definitely going to dangerous go
1: and dangerous. Like at worst, Perrin hurts a couple of people, right? He
0: Rand is partially responsible for the the breaking, breaking of, of the, the world. world.
1: His past life. He broke the world. Yeah. So... Right. And so, like, at worst, Perrin is a human who goes crazy. At worst, Rand is a living nuclear bomb.
0: And, yeah, nuclear bomb volcano. Like, he's gonna go crazy and hurt someone. So he understands it. And the last bit we get, really, from rand is after the boys are like we're not gonna be around you anymore i'm going and matt's just like i'm gonna sleep as far away from you as possible because i heard a story about someone a man who could channel and he brought all the houses down on him parents except for the one like, bed except for the one bed that he was sleeping in and parents just like well maybe then you should, you sleep. should
1: sleep closer <laughs> to him <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of banter. It's good.
0: And Matt was not having it. So they go off. Rand goes to find Loyal and uh, Hiran. I think it was Heron. Uh
1: They're looking at a statue. Oh,
0: yeah, they're just looking at where, where a statue was. Yeah. And Loyal
1: is going into a lot of detail about it.
0: And Hiran's just like, yeah, I'm going to listen to Loyal's story time. Yeah. Do you mind me making camp here? And Rand's just like, I'm glad of anybody's company who isn't afraid of me. And now Rand is the one who needs a blanket and a hug.
1: Rand needs a blanket and a hug and just like a nice cup of hot chocolate and just a good evening in.
0: Yeah, poor boy. He, and he needs a coat that's not silk.
1: <laughs> he needs some good stout Two Rivers wool.
0: <laughs> he just, that's all he wants. <laughs> in this section when he realizes that all the coats that were packed for him are all like silk and embroidered, he's like, I can go naked, right? He actually like thinks that.
1: He's and like, Ingtar's <laughs> like, yeah, baby. <maybe." laughs> The Shaidarans are some <laughs> characters, and I, I do want to talk about them a little bit before we get into the Egwene stuff, which is relatively short. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of, we, we learn right before this, we touched on it very briefly, that Rand is, like, second in command. and Yes, <laughs> I
0: did like this part.
1: At the beginning, he talks about how Uno hates him.
0: It wasn't No, Uno,
1: un, Uno hates, he, f- he thinks Uno hates him. He Masima thinks... definitely hates him. Ah. Because he looks Aeel. And that's all there really is to that. Uno, he thinks, hates him. And then Ingtar is like, yeah, he just he'd act like that to Agomar if he could. Well, maybe not Egomar. Everybody else. And then Red's like, oh, I'm second in command. What the fuck? Shouldn't Uno be second in command? And he's like, yeah, but that's not why he hates you. He just hates everyone. <laughs> like that's it just, just cut- Uno being Uno. <laughs>
0: A little comforting.
1: It is. The Shinarans have a very weird kind of like complimentary way of being which is just like they're just gonna have their own opinion of you no matter what and it doesn't matter who you are.
0: But so in the second in command thing they go into how it works with the Shiner, Shinaran and yeah. that Somebody... everyone is in everyone in the line is informed of who of where they are basically down to the last person so that even if everyone ahead of them dies, they aren't just an escapee. They are the, they are, they are the army. They are in charge of themselves, but they are in charge and it holds the order. And I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Especially for a society as, Militaristically focused as any borderland society.
0: Yeah, I just right? like, I they, like it. I,
1: and it's clear that they've become this way because they have to be.
0: And it, it gives everyone in the process agency. It does. So like everyone knows that Rand is second in command, except for Rand, but he does now.
1: Fine, well, and Matt and Perrin.
0: But they're not part of the army. But like, that's true. All of the all not the Lancemen, Is that what they are? I thought I, I don't was. My brain wants to go bannermen, but I think the lances. Lances. All yeah. of the lances know. Yeah. That Rand is second in command. But they're
1: given a choice to say no.
0: Like if that's not okay, if you're not okay with that, you don't have to come with us.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like uh, oh yeah, if, if it's not okay with you, you don't have to come with us. But they can say no.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, the funny thing is, is that uh, Rand does not know who is third in command.
1: No, it's probably Uno though. Probably Uno, but like it's never really mentioned.
0: You, if ever if all of the Lance <laughs> Lances know, shouldn't Rand also Rand know? should also know. Like, but maybe maybe an off-screen conversation will happen where Rand's kind of like, okay, like I, I accept this. Can you, can you give imagine, me all the info? I
1: have to imagine that that has happened. I don't think it will happen. There's more important things for Robert Jordan to write about. Even in a series as long as this, he's not going to go into that much detail.
0: But I imagine that sometime after, like, yeah. Rand's going to sleep on it and just accept his fate. Like, because, fine, who's next? Like, fine, who's next? And like. That's at the
1: very least, he wants to know who's next.
0: Like, give me the list.
1: <laughs> that was all the Rand stuff. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Egwene. There's not a whole bunch here. There's not. She. They're getting ready to go. We talked about the Amarylline not wanting to figure out the assassin.
0: Egwene and Naive meet the Amarylline, but that's yeah. about it. Like, they're kind of intimidated. Naive pretends she's not, but is, like, gripping Egwene's hand really hard, which is just... I, I just like their friendship. <laughs> like... It's
1: like it's a interesting friendship.
0: It's a very naive thing to do too, to just like stare someone down, but also be like, "I'm letting Egwene know that I'm scared." Yeah, and that's how I interpreted it, at least. Okay, is that like I am allowing myself to be a little scared, and I trust Egwene enough to let her know that I am also afraid because yeah. she could have been gripping her own, like she could have been like wringing her own hands or
1: yeah, but tugging her right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All the braid tugging. So much
1: braid tugging. So, yeah. Then Lan and Nynaeve
0: get into a fight. Of course. Which we don't know what it was about.
1: That, it does... But so
0: we know who won't be tugging at Nynaeve's brain anytime soon. (laughs) Lan. Uh,
1: (laughs) Kinky. That does strike me as a potential relationship that would need a lot of fighting. Like, Nynaeve can't be in a relationship with somebody who's not going to fight with her.
0: Well... And I don't know that Lan was fighting with her as much
1: as Nynaeve was <laughs> fighting with him. Nynaeve would fight the heir if she could.
0: <laughs> yeah, so like Lan like comes to the tent and visits and like pulls Nynaeve away and then they get into a fight and Egwene doesn't know what it's it was. It's probably about. Lan
1: talking about him and Moraine leaving.
0: <gasps> but it happens so many it happens like weeks after that it seems or days at least so why would he tell her that far in advance because
1: it's a big world and like they probably weren't going to separate for a while
0: right but like why would why would lan risk telling nynaeve know, or that early
1: or it's lan telling nynaeve that he can't marry her because he's gonna die
0: Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, it could be any number. Any number. It's naive. She'd fight the air if she could.
0: They get in a fight and it makes me sad. And then Varen comes. Well, Varen and a lot of Aes Sedai come to teach them.
1: Yeah, they all basically take turns.
0: Right. And only one person, like, no one repeats. Yeah. Uh, So Varen gives them a lesson and, in classic Varen style, talks. A lot. A lot. And something about Nynaeve being a wilder and could be one of the accepted, which are people who are supposed to question things, but... All yeah. of the I don't remember, like all of the other newbies aren't supposed to. I, I got a it, little confused. Varin talks a lot and is. You confusing. will
1: learn a lot more about the kind of like learning, the like class structure of Aes Sedai. But accepted are somewhere in there above novices.
0: Novice, that's the word I was yeah, talking about. There are
1: novices, there are accepted, and there are Aes Sedai. Novices are above accepted below Aes Sedai. Okay. And Baron's basically saying that Nynaeve is strong enough in the power. Like she's been through the whole figure out how to not die when she wields the power to be an accepted, right? She's too strong to be a novice because none of the novice teachers are going to know what to do with her.
0: Right, and Nynaeve doesn't really want to learn from Varen. She's like, I'll just wait till we get there. And Varen's like, Do you want to be a novice? They do housework. Varen and Varen she's like antagonizing her just right. a little bit to the point that when Nynaeve finally gets to channel the One Power, she sets something on fire. Yeah.
1: Varen is, I think, a very effective teacher. She she does what she needs to do with Egwene, which is explain calmly, directly, and rationally what needs to have happened, and she just prods Nynaeve until Nynaeve does what needs to happen.
0: So did Varen want Nynaeve to set something on fire?
1: I don't think she wanted Nynaeve to set something on fire, but she, she poked Nynaeve until Nynaeve was going to listen or try.
0: Yeah, because... I don't think naive setting a pile of blankets on fire was the intended result.
1: No, but because... it's naive. So they're <laughs> lucky she didn't just sink the boat.
0: <laughs> yeah, that also sounds like naive. But yeah, uh, Varen has to calmly explain to Egwene what to ha- what has to happen, because Egwene is reckless.
1: She's been experimenting,
0: and uh, she. Varen compl- er, compares Egwene to Moraine in that aspect. I'm sure she loved that. She did. I'm sure she did. And it's interesting that like, and something that Varen says is that most people who come in as novices are too afraid to touch the one power. But occasionally there's someone like Egwene or Moraine that's like, gimme. Yeah.
1: It's like, they power want please. The power. <laughs> they want to know what they can do with it
0: right and they're
1: dangerous because they they don't know their limits
0: yeah and then a bunch more eyes that i teach them which is kind of just glossed over some people actually teach them to do things some people just talk and talk and talk leandrin is the worst again and just ends up interrogating them about the boys until nynaeve just flat out kicks her out of the tent yep like get get out (laughs) and Egwene doesn't even understand why like, a, it's like a queen, she says, I didn't even understand why. Are you not paying attention? And then, as we mentioned, Maureen and Lan go missing. Yep. And you know Certainly who else should. does? Fucking Leandrin.
1: Yep. I don't... You don't trust it. I don't
0: trust it. It's like, Leandrin is very clearly going to follow Moraine and Lan. Varen
1: Varon Varen can do anything and it wouldn't be that weird.
0: Varen could have realized Leandrin went missing and then went to follow Leandrin because Varin, she knew, she knew that Leandrin was going to follow Moraine and Lan and Varen knows what's going on
1: with Moraine. So she could she, have gone to follow her. She could have been off chasing a butterfly. <laughs> knows.
0: And honestly, the butterfly thing makes more sense because she didn't even take her warder.
1: Nope. Poor I think his name is Tomas. Tomas. Poor Poor Tomas. Tomas.
0: He's just sick with worry over his flighty little baron.
1: Baron's weird. (laughs) But in kind of an endearing way.
0: And Egwene finds this out when she's trying to find literally anyone to talk to because she's had a bad dream about Rand and thinks that he's in danger. And so the Sedai th- that she finds is like, oh, maybe you're a dreamer. Now and
1: that's where the chapter ends.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, but maybe you just had a nightmare. Well, yeah. let's get on a boat.
1: Good old Anaya, who is in a lot of scenes, and I, I don't remember her impact on the series at all. No there bad. are like 3,000 characters. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, so that was, I mean, that was... More stuff than I thought there was. I, I this this section kind of like congealed into my in my head in like one large mass, but there was a lot more to it than I thought.
0: Yeah, I think it took me a while to read because chapters nine and ten
1: they, they dragged on. They
0: dragged on.
1: Like stuff happened I, at the beginning of the end of of like stuff happened at the beginning of chapter nine at the end of chapter ten. Yeah, and then not much in the middle.
0: But a lot happened in the second.
1: When bit. things happen, a lot happens. Poor Rand. Poor, poor Rand. Not speaking of Rand, but speaking of other things, aka recurring segments. Any aura updates?
0: I don't think so. I didn't. So I don't. I didn't look, but nothing comes to mind. Nothing really comes to mind, either. No, no imagery stood out to me in order okay. to go check against the, the list. Yeah,
1: cool. Ship updates. They're literally on a ship. The spray is back. <laughs>
0: Usually this is supposed to be for relationships, but... Literal but ships. There were there were three boats
1: in three this boats. section. <laughs> well, one was a ferry. It's a boat. Yeah. Really, the only ship that matters is the named one, the Spray. Which is a good name for a ship. It is. But, yeah. Oh, Matt. Nope. Might
0: even land get in a fight that we don't know what it was about.
1: Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, favorite moments. You don't have one? I don't
0: think I have one.
1: Okay. Do you have a least favorite moment? Um, the opposite. Is it is it the flayed people? I, is it... The who's been nailed to the wall? Is it <laughs> Pat and Fane?
0: I think it's just Pat and Fane. Just which I, Pat and Fane. I really, really should not read Pad and Fane sections before, before going to bed. Yeah. I fair. have,
1: as I've said
0: before, delicate
1: sensibilities. Indeed.
0: I was do. very disturbed. Yeah.
1: My favorite segment it is an actual favorite segment, not a least favorite segment. I like when is teaching that even. It's nice. I like Farron.
0: I didn't. (laughs) See, that was like one of the only moments that could have been a favorite moment for me because it wasn't something terrible happening. (laughs) And I just like, Baron talks too much. I like Baron. I like her.
1: I liked her teaching. We learn a little bit more about what it means to be a nice knight. Just a, just a touch we're getting it in drips but we're getting it yeah so
0: there was the weird and actually something that I did kind of like as Gwen's like talking about camping she's like it looks like there's a party happening over at the greens because <laughs> they've got at least
1: like they have like multiple warders they're having a good time
0: <laughs> but it's also
1: like what is happening over there <laughs> <laughs> Greens like, have a good time. What
0: are they doing
1: to their warders? It makes me wonder what the heck is going on with the warder bond. And so like what is happening with what is Who happening knows? with
0: Moraine and Land?
1: <laughs> Who knows and what like, that is fight he, was about?
0: And he is he even able to be with Nynaeve? Or is it just a green thing?
1: Who knows? I do. We'll it... find out. <laughs> we won't find out on our next section, which is no, chapters I thirteen I through think eighteen. We would.
0: Yeah, so we will be back in two weeks with chapters 13 through 18.
1: This was chapters 9 through 12. Bye.
0: Bye.